Welcome to the Online Marketing for Doctors podcast, the place to grow and scale profitable practices with your show hosts, Huyen Truong and Steve Tate. Welcome to the OMD TV and podcast show, the place to be to grow and scale your practice. Now, through our TV show, we like to provide our viewers with uh, success stories in the industry and tips and strategies on that they can use to help grow and scale their practice. And today we have a couple of special guests on our show, Mr. Brent Godgard and Lance Penn, and the owner and managing director of Swap Podiatry, Sydney leading podiatry clinic. And today we talk about a very interesting topic, how Mopod finds successes through the pandemic. And this is part of our special COVID success story series where OMD TV will feature interviews with clinics that um, have successfully pivoted and thrived through the challenges time like the COVID-19 is happening right now. So let's get started. Yeah, welcome back to the show, uh, Brent and Lance. Thanks for having us. I know that our audience quite enjoyed your last episode of our podcast number 21, which was uh, the simple techniques to acquire new patients. Uh, now we're excited to have you back on the show again as we can't wait to discuss your personal journey uh, through the uh, coronavirus experience, the pandemic over the last 12 months. Sweat and tears. <laughs> Sweat and tears. <laughs> what an enjoyable time it was for everyone. Uh, so I guess though, first, uh, I guess for our audience, it's learning about you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit more about yourselves and your practice? Um, yeah, I guess we, we set the, the uh, business up probably 15 years ago and we started, well, Lance had started it with one clinic in the city. I came on board with him and then we ventured out and got our second clinic in Mossman. Um, and then we sort of progressively grown from there. We tried a few different things along the way mm. that may, you know, haven't worked, but mainly it's worked and we've increased our clinic size. So we now have um, sort of five core clinics in Sydney and a couple of satellites. Mm. up in the central coast um yeah so we've got a great team of staff members um, i'm no longer consulting in podiatry so i sort of have a, a wide lens view of the business sure still... i tend to be more uh, the face-to-face of the business um sure. i like to think of myself as the ideas man okay, right. which which brent tends to filter and shoot down most of the time yeah right <laughs> What is it? I'm um, the bad ideas man, <laughs> apparently so. A few gems in there. A few, few gems and you've got to filter through them. But yeah, we, we really enjoy the business and we enjoy servicing people and providing the best treatment for them. But more importantly, we just like challenging what's happening at the moment and trying to find a better way of doing things. Sure. And we just love growing. We hate being in the same place for too long. I get bored. Sure, <laughs> fair enough. Well, 15 years in the industry, that must be doing something, right? Uh, so. That's a long time for any practice, but yeah. for not just one practice, but you're now running multiple practices. Yeah, well, I mean, I was actually looked the other day to see how long I've been practicing podiatry full term, and I think I'm coming on nearly 26 years. Right. So, so you, I, I, I started yeah. off and opened up my first clinic when I was 21. Right, so we missed the silver anniversary. Yeah. Oh. And so, you just told your, our audience your age. <laughs> <laughs> but they call it practice because you've got to keep on practicing and trying things before you find out what works and what doesn't. Sure, fair enough. Now, I mean, we're here to talk about sort of the pandemic uh, and mm. sort of your experiences through the pandemic. Uh, and so I guess 
first off, we'd like to know just a little bit more about what, you know, what Mod Pod's response was to uh, mm. the coronavirus and the various lockdowns, if you so while we before we got over the shock and horror part, just to freak out. Yeah, it was it was very surreal. Yeah, and I think overall we probably took a pretty rational view, didn't we? we were actually quite clinical about it. We they looked at the different scenarios. We went, you know, when it first started, no one knew what was going to happen. Right, we didn't know there was going to be any government support. Mm-hmm. So I ran a few spreadsheets and thought, what's our worst case scenario? How do we batten down the hatches? Mm-hmm. And then I guess we had that plan in place mm-hmm. and from the early days. Right. We then talked to all of our staff members and you know, we didn't want to tell them what the worst case scenario is, but we sort of reassured them that we were going to do the best to keep the business going and that was the priority. Right. But, but the, it, the interesting thing about it was it was the calmest and most relaxed that we've ever been we're in private practice. We got in a crisis and because yeah. When you're doing everything you can, everything's in your control, and things don't work out, then you always go, okay, well, what have we done wrong? What can we improve on? This was something that was completely out of our control. So I took all that angst away, and all you could do was do your best, nothing more. It had nothing to do with you. Right, yeah. And that was really calming and brought us to action. Hmm. And so when you were making those plans, I mean, we were hearing about coronavirus and starting to ask questions sort of in January. It wasn't until sort of more mid to late March that sort of the real sort of heavy sort of lockdowns and challenges of what how early into that were you making these plans or investigating these issues? Oh, I think we started um, we were started talking obviously in Jan, Feb, but we're like oh, Lucas going right. Right. Lucas looking on worldwide, yeah. we better just start getting awareness in case it comes here. Yeah, and then it kind of ramped up and I think once the lockdown started to roll through, we really structured it out and like how that's going to look. We split our businesses into different teams as well, so making sure that if one clinic went down and someone got infected, that it wouldn't shut down the whole business. So mm-hmm. we kind of had to look at strategies. And it's also great having Brent working the numbers and working out different case scenarios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And doing that, we have the confidence knowing, okay, this is the worst that can happen. This, and then we, go, we worked out defaults for them and what we had to do to keep our heads above water. Right. Mm-hmm. But always had a, a exit plan or a game plan. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, like, how did it sort of uh, continue on from there? I mean, you had these plans, you didn't know that support, uh, you didn't mm-hmm. know sort of what, what was going to come next. Uh, you didn't hit, or did you ever hit the worst case scenario? No, I mean, the government, obviously the government, all of the JobKeeper stuff really helped us, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we needed that because our, our revenue went down below, I mean, I think it was a 40%, we were right. way yeah. beyond that threshold. Right. Because we had to effectively, you know, people stopped going out, stopped getting treatments. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just the core people probably, I don't know, you'd have more of an idea being on the, on the street. The people who needed those treatments were still coming yeah. in, but you know. So we, we always had a bit of core turnover. And we knew we'd have support to a certain stage until the government came in again, re-evaluated, we were, we were going to make the next step. But what we did during that period was we managed to get a bit of cash flow going because we were able to put a lot of loans on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, instead of not using the money, we still put it aside and put it aside. So we knew okay, we had a bit of a cushion to get us through worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when it came to the second round of, I wouldn't say government funding assistance, but we missed it by 3%. Oh, right. 3%. Right. So we were still bleeding, mm-hmm. missed it no, by 3%. And, yeah. and, and, and that, I must say, was quite, it was, that was 
I found it quite hard. It was just mm-hmm. so close, we really needed it. Yeah. But we had the backfall of going on a little bit of cushion that we put aside to get us through, and, it mani- and you managed to squeeze it through. Yeah, and I think, I think the banks were great, and that was really mm-hmm. awesome, getting mm-hmm. support from, you know, people where we have debt, mm-hmm. and they were just very willing to, you know, didn't get anything free, they just put everything on hold for us. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were supporting us, I think that was awesome, whether that was pushed from the government yeah. as well. But also our team was fantastic. I mean, we had our receptionist and our parash that had come up to us and say, you know what, I'm just going to take a couple of days off, you're not paying us. And right. everyone kind of, and they came to us and we all just did it together as a team. Yeah, right. yeah it was awesome. So it wasn't just ourselves, our team got us through. And I think in a way it brings everyone closer, right? So when you have those crisis yeah. moments, um, everyone came together and kind of feel more like a family now. So. Yeah, it's always very interesting. You never really know how to plan for a moment like that. And no. so it's always interesting to see how people do react mm. in those situations. And seemingly quite positive. Yeah. I think you just got to work like scenarios. Mm-hmm. And if you dress the scenarios before it happens, then it's not a shock. Mm-hmm. But you've got yeah. to work the numbers at yeah, all stages. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's an interesting point. Now, uh, when it comes to some strategic decision, I know pivoting a business is a daunting task, right? Mm. Like, um, especially like speed or reaction time is actually quite critical mm. when it comes to times like this. And you don't have time and you have no time for a long decision making mm. process and you have to have really fast reactions. So uh, especially when changes are coming out the way rapidly. So how did you make some strategic moves mm. fast? And how fast was that? And how you know how much did it time did it take you to yeah. make these happen? I mean the usual thing with strategy and with reaction and time. Mm. How fast you do something is it's a reference point, it's different to everyone. Yeah. Where our partnership partnership works really well, mm. I react very quickly and within a couple of hours I'll be calling Brent and going, okay, this and this is happening, well, let's do this and that. And Brent will slow it down to a few days. We'll start asking questions to key people in industries, speaking to people on the street, mm. gathering information. Mm. And once we've gathered enough information to get an idea of where things were going, then we'd make an educated decision, mm. take the risk and go for it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's based, but it's based on probably me being more actually brain slowing me down and collecting figures and numbers again. Wow. Yeah, yeah we're whole opposites as far as our approach to business, which is good. I think we're going to be agile and You've got to be agile and nimble, but you yeah. can't spend too much time on a decision. Mm-hmm. You have to do the math, um, and then you have to just make a decision, back yourself and go for it. Mm-hmm. Rather do something and fail than do nothing at all. Yeah, That's been our philosophy. Lance mm-hmm. has probably got a very good intuitive gut sense of how things go, and so you can see our silly practice was going to suffer, and you picked up that that's not going to recover anytime soon because you could just see how everything was going with people working from home. Mm. And we could see that some of our suburb clinics were doing really well. Mm. They actually increased mm. because people were in the yeah. suburbs, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was our pivot moment is like, we actually need to get another suburb clinic and we need to take resources or out in the city clinic and put those elsewhere. But also, one of the, but also sorry, one of the changes that we did make that actually got us a fair amount of business to help us through is one of the things that we all noticed was there was a, a decline in the amount of people that would go to simple nail bars to get pedicures done. So we started offering as a lot of clinics but we're probably a bit more aggressive and forward with it. We would advertise a Medipedi, which is just a general treatment based on the Medi- um, pedicure treatment. Right. 
And people that didn't feel safe going into normal nail bars felt comfortable coming into clinics and we actually got a big following doing that through COVID. Right. And that was just something that we really introduced and, and flew with through COVID. And you've maintained that? Sure. We've maintained it, but it's the demand has dropped off because sure. the trust for nail bars has gone back. Mm. But it served its purpose over that time. Yeah, great. Yeah. Mm. We were, I still remember setting up a campaign for you guys. Yes. Quick, quick setup. Yeah. 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 And I was also talking so, to you through that yeah. time, and the one thing you said is don't stop advertising. Right? Yeah, that's you something know? we yeah. highly so. recommend you guys. <laughs> and you probably remember my email is that when the things change, it's like especially your toughest or the strongest competitor, they don't stop advertising. And you can see mm. that more Boxport Polarities is such an aggressive, all advanced mm. uh, mm. when it comes to marketing and they don't, they didn't stop and haven't stopped and they probably mm. won't stop. You can't take a thing off the pulse because there's always a, a lag between when you market and the results you get from it. So mm. to market when times are good is a waste of time. You've got to market more when times are bad. Yeah, mm. yeah. And consistency. Yeah. That's definitely. what you taught us. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about consistency, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to marketing game, and uh, uh, is it, I, I've been telling the key success, the full factor of any business is their consistency. And talking about one of my, my favorite um, quotes from Charles Darwin, it's not the strongest or the most intelligent species that survive is actually the one that's most adaptable to change, yeah. right? And we see repeatedly from, from our, our own experience that's the key factor is that lots of businesses fail because they fail to adapt to changes when the market mm -hmm. um, is changing. So how do you still keep yourself nimble and flexible uh, for the last uh, 12 months and also the strategy to move, you know, in the future, how do you keep yourself, you know, like flexible? I mean, I'll leave, I'll leave Brent lead on to the first part of this. The reason why we are nimble and why we make decisions, it's based on the constant auditing of stats and figures that you will do with your assistants. Yeah. Making sure that at any given moment, you know where you are in space and time in terms of what's happening with the business and what's happening with the environment. And without having Brent working on that permanently, we wouldn't have such a, an accurate, sense of where we are in real time or where the business is and environment. Hmm. I, mean, I think it's definitely that, but it's also probably part of our personality as well as business owners is that we're constantly looking for that change. Um, looking for opportunity. We, we like change, I think. And like so change. naturally it comes easy to us. We don't like a status quo doing the same things. Mm. So I think, yeah, it's probably those things rolled together, isn't it? Mm. You know, mm. I think most business owners probably are more no, it's it's adaptable. Mm. I think no, the fact that I've set up a business to start with takes risk, right? But you have to keep changing and moving, mm. otherwise, you know, like to I think it's important as a part, part of what you do is we enjoy it and having fun. And if you're going to be doing the same things in the same place forever, <laughs> rather take it <laughs> <out>. <laughs> no, yeah, I think you bring up some valuable sort of ideas there that uh, that you need to embrace change. I mm. think, especially if you're going to sort of, if you envision having something for the long term, uh, things will change. Your environment will change. How your market will change. How being your environment, your competition changes. You will have to never mm. change if you want to have a practice or any business that sustains itself for the long term. And the key thing is also not overthink things. Mm. Yeah. You've got to be pretty strategic and time-wise when you make your decision and follow through mm -hmm. and then if it's the right decision things will fall into place mm -hmm. 
but you won't get there if you don't make that quick decision and take the chance. I think that comes back to your gut feel. Yeah. 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 So, well, I mean, if we looked at opening up this clinic, I just knew and had that the city was going to take a while to get going. We knew that the suburban clinics were doing well, so it was a decision on, okay, where do we go next? Mm. So then I made up a list, I wrote down some key criteria in terms of where my ideal practice would be, and then a wish list. And I kind of was at that stage, I was just a bit tired with the stress of COVID and what was mm. happening in the city and I needed to take a week off practice. Yeah. And I took a week off and day one was great. Day two I was bored as hell. <laughs> day two I thought, okay, well, um, Rosebay fell on my list of places I'd like to open up a clinic and I came and I walked along the street and I saw this spot open. I thought, oh, okay, this is actually criteria too. It's mm. location, location, location. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll just give the guys a call and see what comes out of it. And uh, before I knew it, someone was giving me a call and next moment we were negotiating and by the end of holiday, we were week, day four, and <laughs> yeah. signed the lease. Uh, by the end of the seven day, you that's, got a deal. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. and signed the lease. Yeah. Like when you said, it's speed and making that decision. Well, I'm very impressed because um, we talk about opening up like a Roseway clinic and See how fast it was, it was happening. You guys got all the feet out done literally like within a month, wasn't it? Like, it took, uh, uh, so we, we had engaged somebody to do the works within a few weeks, but it yeah. took a couple of months to actually do the build to the specs and mm-hmm. around what we needed. Wow, so fast. We started, it was October started, we moved mm. in here in December. Right. Yeah, and we actually prepared Google Ads campaign to prepare the mm. whole launch of the new location Correct. actually is helped as well and now you're ranking really well on the google maps as well yeah. like for podiatrist role space so that's mm. really quick setup for well because of obviously working hand in hand with you we we're able to hit the ground running and yeah. again it wasn't just what we did it was working hand in hand yeah. with you and yeah. setting us up yeah sure. so i mean 12 months went by somewhat quickly somewhat slowly <laughs> uh no. and yeah. you know how how has the business now changed and where are you today uh, with, with the business and sort of, you know, where were you sort of 12 months ago when things were great and possibly uh, a little worried about maybe what could come? Where are you now and how do you feel about it? So it's pretty interesting that because pre-COVID that January, we were starting to really take off and we had a lot of new incentives that we we're going to introduce to the business. And COVID actually stopped all of that and re-evaluating now those things that we're going to introduce are not relevant anymore. Mm. Right. So now we're re-adapting to the change and we're going to start reintroducing things that are more relevant to what's what's occurring at the time. Mm. Even though we set up a new business, we've sort of been on a holding pattern Mm -hmm. and just kind of surviving to a degree Mm -hmm. with the staff as well. We haven't actually done a huge amount of forward planning, but that's, I've come over from New Zealand and that's where we're now planning out our next 12, 24 months. Right. Whereas all the other stuff, like I said, is probably a little bit irrelevant because things mm. change, you know? Sure. Starting with the new thoughts and new ideas, mm. times have changed. Are they never going to go back to the way they were before? No. Yeah, and right. it's just as soon as everyone accepts it and right. adapts to it, the better and really easier it will be. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, a few sort of marketing ideas uh, to, to, to discuss. Uh, I mean, you've got a lot of competition in the sector that obviously would be impacted during the coronavirus. Um, how, what is your sort of value proposition uh, that kind of puts you ahead of uh, your competitors? At least how what do you feel like? 
Oh, we've got Lance, so... Yeah, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what we do. And I tell you, it's our Lance. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we've got, we've got a multiple... I think we've, we've... Yeah, even though within our business we do kind of the whole thing of podiatry, we've got quite quite a few specialties within that. So, mm. we, you know, we do a special treatment for plant walks, for example, fungal nails, um, and then we've sort of got a whole sports podiatry arm and, and, and then looking into like a, a sort of a rehab model as well. Right. So, yeah, I think we offer all of the service, but a wide range of services and trying to kind of have a solution for most people's problems within that, but also then having a great referral network when we don't have those solutions. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the technical side of things. And always when you look at what else is happening with the competition, we don't really look at what everyone else is doing. We try to run our own race. Mm-hmm. But I think there are two really strong points to our business. And the one is the technical side that we're bringing. Mm-hmm from what treatments we're doing and how we do it from processing systems. Mm. But then there's also the, the people's person. Mm. And I honestly believe that if you just treat people right and you go out of your way to help them and you just do good work and you're friendly and it comes from a good place, it's mm. just going to organically grow. I mean, how can you go wrong from that? Just mm. stick to the basics. Just sure. be nice to people, do good work mm. and have fun. Okay. Right? Yeah. So two years ago, when we first interviewed you in our special podcast number 21 about some techniques to draw new patients in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, things have been changing a lot, right, for the last mm-hmm. 12 months. So now, what are the um, you know techniques, the marketing techniques that you've been using quite effectively to draw people in mm. uh, with a new condition like this? Yeah, I think, again, you know, taking advice from you guys, <laughs> yeah. we're doing the, you know, obviously all the ad words, um, but the quizzes, I think, I'm not sure we are doing quizzes. Yeah, the quiz, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm just about to, to launch into the webinar, so I've done the course. And, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I'm halfway through my first webinar, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry, taking three months. You're convinced me that, you know, I think it's going to be another thing. Steam the pace from now on. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the, the, the question there, you know, that's, that's to the general market. We're also now wondering whether we can do that because we've that to our Medicare network, which we've had been cut off with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to get from our new digital wide networking to our referral network. Yeah, yeah. because they're not, doctors aren't really taking appointments to mm. see other practitioners. Right. So we need to still communicate with them and that's sort of where we're scratching out here a little bit at the moment. Because that's well, no, we're not scratching, you guys are developing a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're giving you the problem and you're going to come up with the solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's probably where we're at, but you know, also Going yeah. out for lunch with you after this, and we're going to yeah, discuss some more ideas. Yeah, I think a webinar is a great way for uh, keeping contact with your referring doctors because yeah. now you can't see them anymore, yeah. and you yeah. need to still keep in touch with them. Absolutely. And that's mm-hmm. a good way for them to gain some educational value from content from you as well. Yeah. And that's the best way to go now with the webinar content. Mm-hmm. And we're not just doing that for referring doctors; we're also doing that for patients as well. Mm-hmm. But it's so important because I think on the referral network, we've noticed pre-COVID when you could have face face meetings for GPs, yeah. we would know that it would take X amount of time to start getting referrals and build it up. You'd have to visit somebody about six or seven times before mm. they would be in the headspace to start referring to you. Yeah. Now, one thing I've noticed with Rose Bay is the fact that I haven't been able to get face-to-face. I get very few GP referrals, so we mm. really need to be innovative with how we can get those touches across without face-to-face meetings, mm. because it definitely plays a massive role. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Mm. Steve, do you have more questions? I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You've, uh, you've provided a lot of great information here. Uh, do you have any other sort of hidden pearls of wisdom and advice for those that 
uh, maybe wondering how to sort of handle similar kind of conditions in the future, situations of, mm. of unforeseeable nature that uh, we some things will always fail regardless of times, mm. yep. and you've got to surround yourself with key people. Yep. Mm. Right. Yep. Yep. So key relationships and having um, that robust structure. Yeah. 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 So how often do you communicate your vision with your team? Um, we typically go away. You know, we're communicating all the time, mm. but we do one annual trip a year where we take uh, away. Is that the trip you just mentioned? Yeah. 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 And that's sort of our, we call it an alignment weekend. So um, we actually make sure we're, you know, looking at our core values, our strategy, our vision. Okay. What have we done? Yeah. So we look backwards. So what have we done in the last 12 months? Do we achieve our goals that we set out to do in the last 12 months? Yeah, and then what yeah. our next 12 month goal does. So, and then we try and kind of bring, bring them into that decision making as well. Mm. So. Okay. Yeah. Sounds really good. It's yeah. just having a clear vision. Yeah, it's um, exactly. you're all on board, working towards the same common goals, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. creating community. Yeah. Brent, Lance, uh, thank you very much for joining us today on the uh, OMB TV show. I know that our viewers will appreciate the insights that you've, uh, you've provided today. And congratulations, really, in a lot you of survived. ways. You survived. survived. Yeah. 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 You survived. You survived. You it's always a work in progress and we need to be adaptable and yeah. uh, changing and meeting the conditions. Take risks. So, great. Well, Thanks very much. Thanks for uh, joining us uh, and I hope that uh, you enjoyed uh, today's uh, OMD TV uh, show. Uh, thanks to Brent and Lance for joining us on the show. If uh, you have any questions or feedback on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if you'd like to be on the OMD TV show, we'd also love to hear from you as well. Uh, now, if you want to learn more about how to drive more of your ideal patients uh, into your sales funnel using targeted messages and hooks, I suggest that you attend uh, our webinar called the three must-use strategies to generate more new patients and referrals on autopilot. Spending one quick hour with us in that uh, webinar will help you master the fine art of driving more traffic to your clinic and ensure that you are successfully generating all the business traffic that you can instead of just hoping that they'll show up simply because you built it. I'll leave the link to the webinar in the show notes below so you can have a chance to sign up for it then. Thank you very much for coming. We look forward to seeing you at the next show. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Online Marketing for Doctors podcast with Hu Yen Truong and Steve Tate. Be sure to check out the archive section on our website for previous episodes at onlinemarketingfordoctors.com slash podcast. And subscribe to the show so we can catch you at the next episode.